Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. That's right, we are collecting that pure nectar of nostalgia, bringing it back to our podcast hive, waving around our our 90s B-wings and serving you that sweet honey of podcast nostalgia i can't believe this joke is continuing oh yeah we are uh we're like 80 percent 90s 20 percent bees on this podcast and growing anyway yeah in, in another year this is just going to be like bees in the 90s or just stuck in the bees anyway my name is chris alfick and i am connor thompson this week we're bringing you june 25th through july 1st in 1994 um I guess that's it for bees for now. Let's talk about some news. All right, June 25th. Vandals place concrete blocks on a railway at Greenock, Scotland, causing the Greenock rail crash. Uh, The train driver is killed along with one passenger. Also this week in not happy news, Orange Man jailed in woman's fatal stabbing. An orange man was held Friday in connection with the fatal stabbing of a 23-year-old woman who was found lying on a street in Stanton, uh, the sheriff's department said. Robert William Fordham, age 28, was arrested in Garden Grove late Thursday night, shortly after the victim was discovered. Fordham and the victim appeared to have been involved in an arrangement of solicitation for prostitution at the time of the homicide, according to Lieutenant Dan Martini. Also, can we talk for a second about how excellent the name Lieutenant Dan Martini is? I've got some notes on that later on. Okay, uh, so... Everything Okay, about. here are the notes. Upon discovering the body, Martini appeared shaken, but not stirred. Jesus. Uh, Ice cream, Lieutenant Dan. Uh, We assume that the killer is from Orange, California, but without anything in the article correctly establishing this, we can't 100% rule out the possibility that an Oompa Loompa killed a sex worker in 94. And that's what I thought when I saw Orange Man. I thought he was literally painted. Oh, yeah. I kind of thought that, too. I mean, I think it's from... He's, like, from Orange, California or Orange County or something like that. But... It doesn't actually say that, so you never know. Great stuff. Uh, Okay, let's move on to June 26th. Today, Microsoft announces that it will no longer sell or support the MS-DOS operating system separately from Microsoft Windows. Uh, This has been its mainstay since 1980. This kind of makes sense, though, because it's getting Windows 95 is just around the corner, and DOS and Windows were kind of pretty integrated at this point, so... Uh, It just makes sense, I guess, but always there will be people who are not happy with decisions like that. Of course. Um, Ooh, in sad news today, Cat gives all nine lives in cushioning child's fall off third-story balcony. This is out of Camden, New Jersey. A two-year-old boy whose three-story fall was cushioned by a family cat was recovering in hospital Friday, but the cat was dead. A spokeswoman for Cooper Hospital University Medical Center in Camden said Matthew Mickles was in stable condition after being treated for minor injuries after the accident Wednesday. It's amazing he's alive, Camden Police Detective Gary Miller said. If it wasn't for the cat, he'd have some internal injuries, but the cat evidently cushioned the fall. That cat's a goddamn hero. Yep, this is a hero cat, and I hope, uh, you know, I hope he's got all the wet food wherever he is now. June 27th. Aerosmith becomes the first major band to premiere a new song on the internet. Over 10,000 CompuServe subscribers <laughs> downloaded the free track Head First within its first eight days of availability. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that is, uh, that's interesting. 
also a traffic jam in internet metaphors. Out on the electronic frontier with Al Gore doing the media tour on behalf of the administration's policy on the use of cyberspace, more people are bemoaning the overwrought term information superhighway, which has even spun off further metaphors such as Infobon, information speed limit, and information passing lane. What the hell do any of those mean? I love Infobon. Infobon kind of seems cool. Um, but what is an information passing lane? Uh, maybe like the DSL connection to your dial-up? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. That's, that could be the information passing lane in 1994. Right. Yeah. Internet junkies are already cringing in anticipation of the information country road, information driveway, information parking lot, and who knows, maybe even an information accident investigation site. That's, uh, yeah, I think that's one thing prevalent about the 90s. Um, as graphic user interfaces sprung up, uh, I think people sort of struggling to understand computers, it's all about the metaphors. And for the most part, they can be helpful, but... I guess as we see with this, it can go it can go too far. Yeah, some of these are a bit of a stretch. Let's yeah. move on. All right, June 28th, an experimental rocket lands after explosion. Uh, an unmanned experimental rocket that takes off and lands on its tail made an emergency landing in a New York or sorry, New Mexico desert today after a mysterious explosion shortly after its engine started. Pentagon officials said the prototype DCX flew for 78 seconds before it made an emergency landing at the White Sands missile range about 800 feet from its launching point. Officials said material peeled away in a 4 foot by 15 foot area at the base of the 42 foot rocket and damage was not noticed until the craft was airborne. About 17 seconds into the flight, which began at 8.37 a.m., uh, controllers started the rocket's emergency automatic landing system, and the vehicle came down on the desert floor. Uh, they're, they're about 20 years too early, and they don't have Elon Musk working for them. Ah, uh, so close. All right, June 29th. TV executives say children tune out of shows that teach. Broadcasters argue against FCC rules seeking more educational programming. Television broadcasters decrying proposed Federal Communications Commission rules barring the use of the Jetsons cartoons and similar shows as educational programming for children defend their practices Tuesday by saying young viewers are bored uh, by most instructional programs. Testifying at a packed agency hearing, television executives said the educational shows uh, such as PBS's Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and Ghost Rider, which win accolades from children's advocates, cost as much as $390,000 per 30-minute episode, more than many non-educational programs, and survive only because they are shown on public television networks. Under existing SEC rules, any show that advances, quote, the positive development of the child in any respect, end quote, uh, qualifies as educational programming. The regulations neither instruct broadcasters when to schedule their educational shows, nor set out how much airtime such programming deserves. Shit. Yeah, um, I, I disagree, though. Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego was awesome. I don't remember Ghost Rider, but there was some quality educational programming. Obviously, things like Magic School Bus and Bill Nye are at the top of probably most people's lists. And remember Wishbone? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um... Man, there, there were others. There were definitely quality educational programs in the 90s. And I doubt all of them, $390,000 per 30-minute episode, I'm sure is a cherry-picked example. I'm sure an episode of a show cost that much, and that was the number that the opponents of this just latched onto. 
That being said, nothing wrong with some Jetsons, but I don't know if I call it uh, educational. No, that's a stretch. Let's uh, let's finish off June. On June 30th, an Airbus A330 crashes during a test flight near Toulouse, France, where uh, Airbus is based, killing the seven-person crew. The test was meant to simulate an engine failure at low speed with maximum angle of climb. It is the first fatal accident involving an A330 and will remain the only one until 2009. It's also the first uh, hull loss of an A330. That's intense. Yeah, that is. Um, Especially since it was like, fuck, when you're simulating engine failure and and you actually fuck up like that, that's, uh, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a hell of a way to go. Yeah. All right. Closing out the week, July 1st, scientists add one talk to world's clocks. This is out of Greenwich, England. Uh, one second was added to the world's clocks at midnight Thursday to compensate for a gradual slowing of Earth's movement around the sun, uh, Britain's Royal Observatory said. Highly accurate modern clocks have shown that Earth's movement is slowing and the measurement of time has to be periodically adjusted to keep in step. The additional second to be added to the atomic clocks at midnight will bring these most accurate instruments of the Earth's measurement of time back in line with the relationship between the sun and the earth, uh, the observatory's Dr. Kristen Lippincott said in a statement. Also, happy Canada Day. Uh, Canada turned 127 this year. That's a good year, you know, a good year for Canada. 127 is a good age. You know, you're past those uh, those awkward early 100 years. 127 is pretty good, but it's no 150. Oh, yeah. Which is what we're at now for our American listeners who... Uh, don't know about Canada. Yeah, that will be coming up on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, next Saturday is uh, is Canada's 150th birthday. I know we're not quite as old as America, but we're... Uh... Younger and hotter. Yeah. All right, let's dive into the weekend box office. In the number one spot, no one is surprised, The Lion King. Oh, yeah. Uh, the classic tale of a lion and his father and his jealous brother. Um, the classic tale of... Timon and Pumbaa and Nala and Rafiki. Oh, Rafiki. Can't get enough of Rafiki. Speaking of classic tales at number two, uh, Speed. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> is the one where the uh, we're in the they're in the bus. And if it's speed drops under 50 miles per hour, uh, you know, it blows up 50. Like, I never really <laughs> got this as a as a kid, because at the time I couldn't really differentiate miles and kilometers and, you know, 50 kilometers per hour is pretty slow that is the general city traffic speed again for uh, any american listeners out there so i'm like what's the big deal with keeping this bus above 50 they just have to drive around for a while oh good stuff yeah uh, what else is on here Ooh, the flintstones yes. for those of you who don't really remember how many great actors and actresses were in this movie here's a quick rundown so john goodman obviously rick moranis oh yeah uh, who else is in here? Rosie O'Donnell yep. was in this movie. Obviously, Halle Berry, yeah, Halle Berry Elizabeth yeah. Taylor, a very young Mary Kate Olsen. Really? Oh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's Pebbles, isn't she? Yeah, this movie had a lot going on. It grossed like just domestically, it grossed 130 million. 130 million? Yeah, it deserved almost every penny of that. Do you remember the uh, there were McDonald's tie-in toys with this? Oh yeah, yeah, those were good. Um, they had like the houses and stuff. Uh, this whole movie, like, fuck, the 90s wasn't great sometimes when it came to adaptations of TV shows and, you know, live a- live action adaptations especially, but 
the Flintstones really stands out for, I think even even to this day for live action adaptations, it's, I think, one of the best. No, it was a really solid movie. Yeah. Uh, the only other movie I want to mention on this list is Schindler's List. And I want to bring that up because when Tally and I were flying back from Denver, I was watching House of Cards on Netflix. Mm-hmm which I had downloaded to my phone, which is a thing you can do now. Highly recommended. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the guy beside me was getting pissed like because he kept peeking over and then getting upset about it. Oh, why? Because like spoilers? Yeah. <laughs> Talia said that the guy beside her, because we couldn't sit together, uh, uh, the flight was packed. The guy beside her was watching Schindler's List on the plane. That's... Who does that? I mean, how long is how long's the flight? Uh, it was about... All told, like between takeoff and landing and deboarding and everything, probably about three hours. Uh, what about just between takeoff and landing? Uh, like two hours, 25. Okay, so like probably that. just enough time to watch Schindler's List. Maybe that's been on his list for a while. <laughs> and uh, that was the only time he could do it. I guess. Yeah, it's still so weird. weird. It's though. weird. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get into the billboard. Yeah. Uh, number one this week at the uh, Billboard Top 100 Albums, we've got Purple by the Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, it's debuting a, at number one. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. Lots of people were excited for that, I guess. That is a very 90s album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of very 90s albums, at number two, Regulate G-Funk Era by Warren G. Yeah. I love the song Regulate, also featuring uh, Nate Dogg. Nate Dogg? Nate D-O-double-G? It's true. Yeah, R.I.P. Nate D-O-double-G. Uh, number three, we've got The Sign by Ace of Base, the album that presumably contains The Sign by Ace of Base. I think that's uh, that's probably accurate. Yeah. Uh, moving down the list, we get uh, Ill Communication from the Beastie Boys. <laughs> Walk On by Boston is on here. Nice, nice. That's at number seven. Uh, August by Cr- Counting Crows is at number nine. And... I don't know. Let's finish this off with one more thing. I just don't know what yet. Um, not the Lion King soundtrack. That nah. feels like a cop out. Yeah, I think I think so. We've already talked about it. Oh, the namesake album at number twenty nine, Seal. Ooh, by Seal. Seal by Seal. Do you think this had Kiss from a Rose on it? I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah, because this is nineteen ninety four, and Batman. It's either Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. I can't. I always get those two mixed up. It's from ninety five. Um, oh, and Seal, the album by Seal, was released in 1991. And it does not have Kiss from Rose. Wow. Hold on. His no, his album in 1994 is also called Seal. Oh, shit, Seal. You don't play And that this. has Kiss from a Rose. Which is obviously the album that we're talking about. Yeah. Hardcore Seal fans, Sea Lights, uh, Sea Lions, if you will, uh, refer to <laughs> this album as Seal 2 to avoid to avoid confusion with the 1991 album of the same name. Wait, do they actually call themselves Seal Lions? I, I hope so. I, I kind of just made that up. Oh, I, that's so disappointing. I was very excited. Yeah, for I mean, I moment. didn't make that up at all. And that's te- definitely what Seal fans refer to themselves as. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's jump into quick 90s news now. So the CBC put out a little like two minute video of one of the reporters catching up with Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod of Body Break. Um, I just want to mention that maybe we'll maybe we'll post it on the web page so you guys can check it out. For those of you who remember uh, Body Break. Body Break. So good. Yeah. Very 90s. Now well, we should post some clips too. Maybe. Uh, I've got a little bit of I'm a little sour when it comes to this topic. 
Why? Because they hid their marriage from the public? No. Um, I mean, you know, they wanted to they wanted to keep their relationship professional to the public eye, and I, I respect that. What uh, what kind of gets to me a little bit is they have uh, they have pretty high speaking fees, so they will they'll do basically whatever you want, uh, but at a at a pretty high price. So when we first started doing this podcast, I think we were doing a little bit of research on possible 90s guests that maybe we'd be able to get. Uh, obviously, we've done a real good job of getting guests so far. Uh, we are still working on that, but man, life uh, life is really getting in the way. Uh, summertime and the living's easy. Anyway, yeah, that is a good point. I forgot how upset we were about that. Yeah, their speaking fees are, are kind of high. So it's like, yeah, we could probably get them on the, on the podcast if we had like $90,000 or something. Maybe they just straight up hate Body Break and never want to talk about it again. So if they have to talk about it, they charge an exorbitant fee. And I guess, I don't know, but like they promoted healthy living and, you know, healthy lifestyles. So I, I don't know. I don't know how bitter you can be about that unless they just go home and just binge on cake, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing, I guess. I, I I like me some cake. Anyway, I mean, Body Break was awesome. I do not. That doesn't change anything, but their speaking fees are high. And so I am a little salty about that. Well, players got to get paid. Don't hate the play, hate the game. Yeah. Uh, let's move into our 90s spotlight. So this week, we would like to talk a little bit about the average 90s car. So I don't know what you're driving around in right now. I'm driving around in a 2003 Ford Focus. So maybe I'm a little bit closer to what we're about to discuss than most of you. Quite possibly. I'm uh I've got the 2004 Hyundai Accent, so I've got a whole few months on your car. Yeah, to be fair though, I try and drive Tally's car whenever possible because she has a 2015 Honda Civic. Yeah, that uh that probably drives pretty nice. So let's let's put ourselves back in the mind frame of the average 90s car, which may or may not have had airbags at the time. Uh, may or may not have had a CD player, more than likely had a cassette player. Oh, yeah. Uh, some had multiple cigarette lighters that were actually used as cigarette lighters. There was a point in time where you just smoked. You didn't charge things. You just smoked. Yeah, you didn't have anything to charge. What uh, what would you charge? Like your Walkman? Get out of here with that. Um, also, power options were interesting. That Growing up, I think... Yeah, I think all of my parents' 90s cars, all two of them, uh, only had roll-up windows. I don't think they had a car with power windows. I think, yeah, yeah all all of the 90s cars that uh, that my dad ever had had roll-up windows. Power windows were, that was a, a sight to be seen in the 90s. Uh, even air conditioning was less common in cars, I think, back then. My very first car was a 1979 Lincoln Continental that did, in fact, have power windows. It also had five cigarette lighters. It did. It was enormous. Yeah. So power options were definitely around in the 90s, but I think the average person didn't really have much in the way of them, aside from power steering. Yeah, that's a deluxe package. <laughs> if you've ever driven a car without power steering, uh, it is oof, it is not okay. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, that would have, that would be, I guess, an 80s car for you. Uh, yeah, that's true. I had an 80, what was it, an 87 Pontiac Acadia. It was like a Chevette knockoff. It was, I don't I think it's a stretch to even call it a car. It was a go-kart. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like that. If, honestly, if you could, uh, rig one of those up with power steering and I found one in a good condition, I would think about getting one because I think it's a nice car. I would drive one of those again. It was fun. Yeah, nice isn't the uh may not be the right word, but certainly is not. There's some there's something about it, the style of that time. Uh same thing with the Cavaliers of that era. 
that I just I like that 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 kind of boxy design, but not too boxy. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we we fondly reminisce about '90s cars was sitting in the front seat. Like growing up, I I remember if if I wasn't you know obviously if my mom and dad weren't both with me, if one of them was driving and I was the only other passenger, I was in the front seat because that was fine. And you don't really see that anymore. No, I and it's mostly because you can't be. Well, yeah, it's it's all because of airbags. Yeah, airbags and stuff. You have to be like what, like over a hundred pounds and over a certain height to I be think they allowed in like the front seat. Thirteen years old. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, being in the front seat was a completely normal thing for us back in the day. Uh, you know, as long as there weren't two adults in the front, then usually the oldest kid got it. Let's talk about, okay, neither of us owned cars in the 90s because of our age, but uh, you briefly skimmed over the fact that your parents did own cars because, you know, that's a fact. Uh, what did they have? Ooh, my parents had, so the first car, I think the first car that they had as a married couple uh, was a Ford Taurus. Nice. Ford And Taurus. then the second car that they had was a slightly newer, less red and more silver Ford Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> All about those Tauruses. Yeah, two Tauruses. Yeah. And then uh, they later on, they had a Chevy Lumina. I, I remember think that the Lumina. that was in the 2000s. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I knew you at that point. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I think my dad had a few cars. Um, when we were really little, I remember a, uh, a Chevy Cavalier, which is, again, probably one of the reasons I like the Pontiac Acadian and the Chevette so much, because it's a similar design. Um, one thing about this car that I remember doing as a kid is the vents looked so much like an arcade coin slot that I would just load pennies into it, which was a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that, I think he had uh, a Plymouth Voyager. Oh, those are classic. Yeah. And I think rounding out probably the 90s and the late 2000s, I know he had a probably a, a either a ford tempo or a mercury topaz or possibly both oh speaking of 90s vehicles i saw a pimped out gmc safari today really the guy drive the guy driving it was at least 50 years old and this thing was like up on rims like 24s like the rims were definitely worth more than the van yeah that man probably deals drugs oh Hamilton. possibly i mean hey uh he couldn't pick a more conspicuous vehicle to do it out of though right do you have a favorite 90s car? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, ah, that's tough. I don't I don't know that I do. I, I have a special place in my heart for the Ford Taurus. Yeah. But that's solely because it's what I grew up with. Yeah, and I think uh, I think my answer is going to reflect on probably that as well because I'm pretty torn between again the Chevy Cavalier and the uh and the Ford Tempo. Uh both of those are kind of pretty cool cars i think oh, um man. the topaz yeah a buddy of ours had a topaz that like in its in its death throes we're on the highway like five guys packed in a topaz going over the saint Catharines skyway oh, going yeah. up it at like <laughs> 65 kilometers an hour with all the windows down because it was overheating it was so hot and he had to turn he or i don't know if he had to but he did turn the heat on no, um, he had to because the car would have overheated if he didn't. Okay, so that actually, but that actually helps. Uh, well, yeah, you're venting heat out from the engine. Okay, yeah, I, I thought that might be the case, but I also thought that might be just to, uh, you know, make us make us feel what the car was feeling. 
Oh no, that was that was a useful thing to do. Okay, oh, it was vicious. I'm glad there was some merit to it at least. Um, you know, another yeah, one last note I want to uh, say on the '90s cars before we move on. I like the '90s or the early '90s. I think up to '94, the Ford Mustang that they had. Okay, I do like the early '90s Mustangs. Yeah, it was very boxy, keeping with that kind of early '90s boxed-in kind of feel. Uh, and it didn't really look like a Mustang. That's what I liked about it. it. It was barely a muscle car. It was tiny in comparison to uh, other kind of muscle cars, and it just didn't have that overly muscular appearance. So, you know, it was it, it was slim. It was svelte. It was uh, a more a more trim Mustang. You know, other Mustangs are are beefed up. They are they're Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and this Ford Mustang was. You know, a, a nineteen a nineteen eighty nine Zac Efron. I, I believe the words you're looking for are are jacked and ripped. Other Mustangs are jacked, but but this one was ripped or shredded, maybe. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it kept Svelte. its it kept its bulk in uh, inside of itself. Um, do you remember in Dragon Ball Z when they're fighting Cell? Yeah, and then and Trunks he beefs up his power level so much he is so jacked and he is physically stronger than Cell. But he's beefed himself up so much that he can't land a punch. Yeah, I remember that. The Ford Mustang of the early '90s is Vegeta. He's he's small, <laughs> he's fast, and uh, maybe he gets really angry at at Goku. I wonder if anyone has ever compared any '90s Ford Mustang to Vegeta, at least in this decade. Um, maybe I, I, I think someone should custom, if anyone out there does car customs, you should, uh, you know, super say in your early nineties Ford Mustang <laughs> on that note. Uh, oh, let's, let's get into your shout out here. Let's do the shout out before we get into this isn't even our a sponsor. shout out. It's just, I had nowhere else to put this. Okay. Fair enough. You know how words kind of fall in and out of, uh, popularity. Absolutely. Yeah. Things like gnarly and radical. Those are, those are not something tubular. Those aren't really things you would hear outside of someone being kind of ironic. But at one time, those were very legitimate words to describe things that were gnarly, tubular, or radical. <laughs> uh, even something like cool. That is, that's slang, technically. True. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be devastated when it is no longer cool to call a dick a dick anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like, I get that. Something about that one syllable hard D uh, <laughs> dick is dick. Um, something about just, that hard D. Oh yeah. I am uh I'm into that hard D. It's just it really gets the point across of that particular organ. And I will be really, really sad if one day it falls out of favor. If you're walking down the street and Someone's talking about dicks, and you're like, hey, I know about dicks. And they're like, why are you calling it a dick? We call it something else now. And you're like, man. The world is becoming a scary place. Yeah, it is a scary time that uh, I hope never happens. Every week on the podcast, we bring you a sponsor. Sometimes real, sometimes fictitious, sometimes taco-related. If you would like to be a sponsor on the show, drop us a line at stuckinthe90spodcast at gmail.com. Send us 10 bucks and we will plug your wares. Uh, this week's sponsor is actually brought to you by Chris, so I will let him take it from here. All right. Uh, quick note, we are also still accepting $10 worth of tacos. And uh, if you have your WinRAR license uh, or proof that you have a WinRAR license, 
I think we'll still accept that. No one does. Yeah, no one's no one's paid for that. Anyway, this week stuck in the '90s is brought to you by computer literacy. A reasonable excuse at the time. Back in the 90s, if you said that you were computer illiterate, you know, computers, personal computers, had really been around for less than a decade and were only slowly gaining in popularity throughout the decade. So saying that you don't really know how to use one is a perfectly reasonable excuse. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's somewhat reasonable. A little less as the decade went on, even into the 2000s, though. If you say, man, I don't really know my way around computers... I get it. They weren't everywhere. Here's the thing. Flash forward to 2017. Computers are everywhere in the form of PCs, cell phones, smartphones, tablets, everything. Fuck. Um, yeah. <sighs> but nowadays, computer illiteracy doesn't fly the same way that it would have back in the 90s. Computer illiteracy back then would be kind of like not knowing how to drive a car in the 1920s. They weren't really around. I get it. Uh, computer literacy now is kind of like not knowing how to drive a car now. It's Actually, it's even worse because you need a license to drive a car. You generally need some kind of training on that. Um, you put other people's lives at risk if you drive a car improperly. Computers generally don't have these risks associated with them. And I'm not talking like you don't have to be a computer scientist. Like, you just have to know your basic operation of a computer. Uh, if someone tried rolled into a gas station and tried to put gas into their windshield washer tank, they would get laughed out of the out of the station. What do you think is the equivalent for computer literacy today? Like something that you can't be something that Some... it's OK to not be good at. But maybe in another 20 years, it, yeah. uh, it will be equally unacceptable. Yep. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, maybe proficiency with a fidget spinner. Ha. Ah, I wonder if it's programming. Mm, I don't know. Not, not necessarily that, you know, I don't think we have to keep it tech related, but I think everything is gearing to the point where the, the knowledge of computer programming language for the next generation of kids is going to be significantly better than it is amongst our generation right now. That would be a good... That would be... You know, I hope that something like that is true uh, because... Just, yeah, having some programming knowledge in general is very helpful in the same way that human... I would say that's almost equivalent to maybe the way that human beings have been speaking for thousands of years, but it's only been in the past few hundred that reading and writing have really become something that the majority of the population knows how to do. Like, we had to learn how to do cursive, and yeah. if kids aren't really doing that anymore, then what is going to take up that time? Yeah, and I think coding is, uh, that would be a good use of that. I agree. All right, uh, so as always, you can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. Uh, we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, we have a Twitter the Facebook, for the most part, just gets episode, like our, our regular yeah. episode update. Uh, the Twitter and the Instagram are borderline on summer hiatus right now. <laughs> we, we will try and get back into it, but I mean... Yeah. Hey, maybe we'll like see some out, guns out, stuff you know? when we're out and about. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's actually a toy store near me that I've been meaning to check out. I've heard they've got a lot of really cool old stuff. Oh, yeah? What's that? Uh, damn it. I think the word cool is in the name. It might legit be called cool stuff. I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, next time you're up here, we should go check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see that. All right. Anyways, uh, so the Twitter is SIT90s. The Instagram is Stuck in the 90s Podcast. Um, drop us a line. Yeah, let's let's chat. That. 
yeah we'll uh we'll chat we'll uh talk about talk about your day uh, in so much as it relates to the 90s otherwise i think that's about it do you have anything to add nah next week you know we're doing a week i don't know what we'll be into july now uh summer kids will be out of school you know yeah i think we can uh we can wrap this up yeah next week is legitimately the first uh first week of summer vacation first full week at least july 2nd to 8th 1990 question mark is what i have here all right 1990 question mark we will see you then 1990 x as they may do it in a Mega Man game all right well for now the podcast is, is now, now over. over and you better believe that i want to find some more b content a b reel Ooh, i like that